happy to be joined on the ATP podcast by with Chris Zahalka. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> now, Chris, we've known each other for a long time. A very experienced coach, of course, currently working with Nishioka. But I first want to talk about um, you've had an extensive coaching career so far. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, my first question is, as the game has progressed and, and gotten better, your coaching philosophy in general, I'm curious if that has changed as the game has progressed. Technically and tactically, yes. Philosophy, no. Just give 100%, work hard, and enjoy what you're doing. So technically and tactically, how has that changed for you from when you first started? Well, I, I think when I first started uh, almost 30 years ago, no, 28 years ago, Wow. It was a lot more about consistency, no unforced errors, uh, uh, you know, playing a lot more cross-court, not changing direction much, you know, there wasn't as many big servers around as there is now, or I mean, I shouldn't say big ser- no back servers, but not as effective, mainly because of the equipment as well. Uh, so, yeah, now it's a lot more about uh, dictating winning points, you know, putting the match on your racket. Uh, using your mobility to be aggressive rather than defensive. Now, would you say that's similar across the board for the women and the men? Because, of course, you've been, you worked on the WTA for a very, very long time, have now working with Yoshi, of course. But would you say that's across the board for the women and the men, or has it changed differently? Actually, I believe it even pertains more to the women. Because uh, women just usually don't move as well as men. So if you have a lot of power and play very direct with two, three shots, you can probably get an unforced error or a, uh, a forced error, I should say, or uh, hit a winner and win the point. So that kind of tennis, uh, aggressive tennis, is pro- probably more productive on the women's side than on the men's side. How did you get into coaching anyway? How did that start? Well, I think, I think uh, like most coaches around here, we tried to play tennis, make a living. We didn't. And we're still around because we still love the game and, uh, you know, learned how to coach, which is actually not that easy. Why, why do you feel like it's not that easy? What, what, are, what are some of the challenges that, that most, the biggest challenges probably coaches face, would you say? Well, I cannot talk for anybody, but for myself, it was when I started, I was like a hitting partner. And then uh, when I started coaching at my first job, I, I'm very control orientated. So I wanted to control everything. And I was drawing on my own experiences, my own tennis, which was a huge mistake uh, because my own tennis obviously has nothing to do with uh, how, you know, whoever I'm coaching at that point is playing. And so you literally have to understand that you go out. Now when I go in and in a new coaching situation, like with that, at first for one week I just watch and see what's going on and then go from there and literally make a list and what I need to work on, prioritize what I need to do. Uh, it could be anything from technical things to fitness to strategy to uh, with Yoshi. It's at the moment mainly uh, improve his mental state on a court. And um, yeah, just go that way. For For you in the beginning, why did you feel like for the way you coach, why did you feel like trying to control the situation was the, maybe the wrong approach? Well, I'm, I lived most of my life in the U.S., but I'm Austrian. And in Austria, we are very much, we want to control everything that is possible to control. And um, the reality is, is in tenets, you cannot control the opponent. So, therefore, sometimes you cannot control the outcome. You can, you can work really hard and control the things you are doing. 
but you have to accept that some opponents sometimes play better than you or worse than you or whatever it might be. So you brought up the fact, of course, you're Austrian, but been living in the States, but now you work, you've worked with numerous players, which we'll get into in a second. But right now you're working with Yoshi, who of course is Japanese. You've worked previously worked with Masaki Doi, who's also yes. Japanese. Yes. Is there a different approach for you as far as culturally working with those different cultures or how you approach that in particular? Yes, there is. Uh, the first Japanese player I worked with was Kimiko Date, which is like a superstar in her country. And it was a, a steep learning curve. Uh, they think a lot different than we think. And How long ago was that, by the way? That oh, you my with goodness. Dante? That's probably 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, their culture is, how should you say, they care a lot what other people think about them. Let's put it that way. Okay. And so, and so that's tough, right? When yes. you're on a tennis court yes. or when you're going about your training, how, how, how do you approach that as a coach to be willing to get them somehow in a place where they can let that go a little bit? Or, or is, that, is that an important strategy? No, it, it is, it is impo- what you just said is the most important thing. So when you have a practice session, you've got to make sure it's in total private. And uh, when you play, with, when you work with uh, Japanese players, the best way to do that is to simply be out of Japan because uh, the media attention to get is just crazy. So uh, I, I didn't realize that until I actually was in Japan, obviously, with them. And especially Kimiko, you, you cannot go anywhere without somebody recognizing her. And on a tennis court, even in a regular practice session, there might be 200 people watching every time. So obviously you cannot really say what you think or want. And, you know, it's almost like you're acting in front of them, you know, and that's not conducive to a good coaching session, of course. So is that is that so? How do you approach that? Is it almost better for them to be on the road or not necessarily? Because a lot of these players want to be home as well. But is it better almost for them to be on the road and have the practice sessions in an off season somewhere else or not necessarily? Yeah, the way I have done it and been most successful in the past is when they go home, just have your time off. Simply enjoy okay. your time off, enjoy your culture, enjoy your food, enjoy everything you are. Uh, everything Japanese you like, you know, just you know, your family, of course. And uh, then when it's time to go train or do off-season, probably come to the States and do it most of the time there, yeah. if it's possible. And Yoshi in particular, I know it's been a very short period of time. Of course, you guys were together and you won a tournament, so congratulations. <laughs> yeah, the very first one, I was lucky. It was not lucky. It was pure coaching, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, he mentioned something interesting to me that we spoke about um, off air that he said he really wanted to hire someone that had worked with lefty before which I found interesting I never heard that before can you relate to that is that something like what is it in particular that he, that he thought would be so important in that in that in that case well he he asked me we, we talked at the French Open a little bit about his tennis but I, I had a job so obviously uh, that you know it was a very short conversation and he asked me if I who I worked with on the man's side and uh, I worked with a lefty, Greg Rosetsky, for a while, and uh, uh, so he was really like, oh, you know, what did he do, and this and that. But, I mean, like we said yesterday, in my opinion, if you're a decent coach, if you coach the right-hander or left-hander, I think you can adapt, I mean, of course. But uh, if it, if it's something he feels that's important, and it gives him more confidence, and it, you know, uh, nurtures the relationship, then it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Why do you feel like 
left-handers might have a little a slight advantage why is it what is it about left-handers that maybe some people because some players struggle with left-handers in particular what it is what is it about that game that might be different in your eyes in your coaching perspective you want the truth here yeah of course (laughs) i think the truth is is that when you coach a lefty you go to a tournament it is actually tough to find somebody to hit with you so you end up hitting with other lefties most of the time until the draw comes out Mm -hmm. and then if they're playing a lefty they're hunting you down yes so the issue is is I think there is no mystery here. I think it's just perception. And the problem is is that most right-hand players just don't put the time in to work to play against lefties. That's why they struggle, in my opinion. I, I, I think that uh, there is no real advantage. I mean, no? The, the, no. I think the serving advantage you have on the ad court, the same serving advantage for the right-hander on the deuce court. So I, I don't see the issue here. You know, and people say, "Oh, if uh, if you break point down, then you know you are having a better serve in the ad court." But yeah, it's also more pressure that way. So you know, yeah, I, I don't really agree with that. Uh, I just think it's a perception, and I'm glad to have that perception coaching a lefty. So it's better. Yeah. yeah. Now you've also, as we've been chatting, you've thrown out some names randomly mm-hmm. that you've coached: Date, Rozetsky. Mm-hmm. Obviously, 28 years on the tour is a long time. Yeah, it's a I, very long time. I would like to. I would like to know, but you obviously still enjoy it. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, you love it. Yeah. I would like to know what you've learned from all those players that you've worked with. If I mean, obviously not everything, but anything that stood out to you that really sort of opened your eyes or changed the way you approached your coaching or how you went about. The best thing I have learned is that. If I'm more motivated than my player, I have a problem. So I really look at a player, what their motivation is, what their goals are. And now before I start a job, I sit them down and I tell them what I expect from them, you know, the work ethic and so on. And, uh, you know, as you as you get better and better as a coach, it, I, I think the big difference is not the knowledge you have. It's just when to say what. I think the timing is way more important than, I think there's a lot of people who have the knowledge in tennis. Uh, there's just not a lot of people who uh, basically can bite their tongue and shut up and even though you want to say something, you'll have to wait for the right moment. Uh, when you're talking to your player, you mean? Yes, correct. Okay, so silence player. is just as important as the what you're saying. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Exactly, I, I, and, and there's a big thing is that as, as far as like giving space to the player? Or? Yeah, okay. I think you know, as a human being, you have to learn from your mistakes. And sometimes you have to let them make the mistake to realize that what you are saying to them is correct. Mm-hmm. And and so for you, you just said you loved travel. You still love traveling and being on the road so much. But obviously it's 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 important for coaches as well to be able to have that space for yourself and time, I'm assuming. Is mm-hmm. that something that you're able to incorporate to make sure that you're in your best mental state to do your job well well is that something that's important for you it might not be important for everybody yes yeah I mean I I, I'm okay being by myself I like being by myself I I'm not a social butterfly (laughs) but uh, I uh, I mean there are certain things I enjoy Uh, I don't go to dinner with my player every single day or anything like that I don't spend every minute with him, you know, I, I give him space as well, and he has other interests, especially Yoshi has a lot of other interests. Um, me personally, you know, just sleep enough, I like to work out when I'm on the road, 
Uh, I like to have a lot of contact with my family at home with time difference. You know? Yeah. I have a little guy, so that's fun to do. And uh, uh, the traveling, you said I enjoy. I don't actually enjoy the traveling. It's just part of the job. You, you cannot do this job uh, well without being at every single tournament and, you know, adjusting the uh, training schedule and talking to the player and, and you know, Make sure they don't simply repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned other uh, other interests. How important for you, for a player, is it to not be? I mean, obviously have that motivation and passion for tennis, but is it important for you as a coach to feel like the player should have outside interest to to get away from the sport sometimes? It's a good question, actually, because I, I think most coaches would love for the player just to be tennis, tennis, tennis. You know, it seems like that's the natural thing to do. And there are some players who are totally obsessed with the sport and some very good ones on top of that. But I, I do believe getting away from tennis takes away a little bit of pressure. And having other interests, especially if there are interests where, you know, these players earn a lot of money or like investment interests or helping other people or helping uh, junior players like Yoshi is doing a lot with, uh, he has his own junior tournament uh uh, he pays, Does he? Yeah, he has. Oh, it's where? Called, in Japan? In Japan, it's called Yoshi Cup. Oh, Actually, how cool. Actually, it's happening in December, yeah. And he puts his own money into that, and he oh, finds sponsors great. for that, and he wants Is to, it for a certain age and under, or...? Yeah, I th- I'm, I'm not really familiar with it. It's okay. all under 18. So, okay. Yeah, so okay. basically, he's doing a lot of that, and he enjoys it, you know, and he started with his own money, and now he has sponsors for it, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and... Uh, it's a passion of his, you know. Yeah. I mean, of course, it still has to do with tennis, but yeah. it's not him playing tennis. Right. There's no pressure there. Uh, he it's a different also, role. Exactly. Yeah. He, also, he also has like a YouTube channel he runs, and uh, actually, I'll be honest with you, I haven't actually even looked at it. Don't tell him that. <laughs> but uh, Wait, yeah, is it just t- what is the YouTube channel about? I think it's about food, tennis, uh, m- many different subjects. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and then for. What are your goals for him in general? Because um, you agreed to take on this project. Obviously, you see something in him. You see that you ways that he can progress. What, what in your mind, do you feel like, what would be your strategy to get him to progress? Well, number one uh, is to improve his fitness level. Mm-hmm. That, that is, uh, it's not that it's bad at the moment. I, I just think it can be better. And because of the way he plays, as Shapo put it, very annoying. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's, in essence, he's a counterpuncher. And uh, that would help him a lot. That's number one. And as far as him as a personal development or tennis development, I should say, uh, he, can, he can learn to be more aggressive. He can learn to be a little bit more direct, finish more points at the net. He has great hand skills up there. Uh, rather than just relying on his legs as much, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you learn how to play a little bit more, uh, how should I say, a little bit more aggressive, especially on the forehand side, mm-hmm. I believe he can, you know, he he can get a lot further than he thinks. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. And earlier mentioned we're also working on his mental state a little bit because it's a fine line being able to make that next jump, right? And a lot of it comes yeah. down to the mentality. Yeah. What would be the focus there for his uh, mentality, would you say? Well, we actually just had a conversation about that. And uh, I, I, I firmly believe in positive thinking. And when I was younger and playing tennis myself, I wasn't the most positive person. And it really hurt me. And uh, 
uh, I mean that's true for anything in life really but especially in competing you know if you believe you can do it you're probably gonna do it at some point uh, and you don't if you don't give yourself a chance then you don't have a chance it's as simple as that and I, I really believe that uh, getting up in the morning and say okay like listen this is gonna be a good day uh, we're gonna get better today we're gonna work on that and uh, I'm trying to instill that in him and even if things don't go his way you know, uh, if you have a bad session or something like that, you can still make that best bad se- session better. You can even in a match. You know, I uh, I firmly believe that in a season when you play like 60 matches, and it might be five matches you play unbelievable, five you can't find the court, and the rest is really up to you. Mm-hmm. And and do, when I say up to you, it's mentally up to you. Mm-hmm. You know. But in those in those in in the actual moment on the court. Do you have certain routines or strategies that can maybe flip that switch quicker? Um, because it has to happen in that moment, right? Because it can get away from you fast because so, so many of these matches are just a point here and there. So it can happen fast. Yeah, well, I, I apply the... Because you have so much experience, Chris. I apply the, I apply the goldfish method right there. And what that is, is somebody told me a long time ago, you know, you put a goldfish... They don't fish, remember? They don't remember, yeah. <laughs> I so you put you put a goldfish in a, in a glass. He swims, and he has a memory of three seconds, right? Yeah. So I told him. I said, "That's what you need to do when yeah. you have a, when you hit a bad shot. Three seconds." Did he understand yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. of course. That's it. Yeah. Go to the towel, towel off, get angry, whatever you need to do. That's fine. Then when you play an X point, be ready. Yeah. You know, like you've never seen it before, and of course it's funny when you think about it but actually doing it is quite difficult it's easier said than done yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. well no i love that analogy that's a great analogy but and someone with so much experience uh, on the on the tour so much so much experience means that i'm old right that does not mean that (laughs) no that does not mean you're still very young still a long way to go but um chris thank you so much and yoshi congrats on everything with yoshi so far yeah it's been fun yeah good that's the that's the important thing right and thanks for your time thank you for having me